This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. Welcome back into the portal. I'm Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. And welcome back to another Film Friday episode. Yeah. And we are, we've come back full circle to the whaling, which we were going to do last week and never ended up doing. So shout out to Adam Castaneda. Mm-hmm. Thank you for suggesting this film. It's our first foreign film. It for is. For Film Fridays. I guess so, hey? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the first... first foreign language film, right? Like yeah. sub- subtitled exactly. Um, and... Right off the bat, I just want to say for anybody that would have maybe some reservations about watching a subtitled film, this one is really easy to watch subtitled. Mm-hmm. It's not one of those like really rapid fire lines ones where you have to be staring at it like really keep, you know, it's it's easy to follow with the uh, subtitles. Exactly. And the Korean language is so fun to listen to. It really is. Yeah. So when you do happen to step away for a second and you hear like, them talking, you don't know what they're saying. It's quite interesting. There's a lot of emotion in the way that the inflection of like um, Asia, all, all Asian languages, but yeah, Korean we noticed in in, in the movie for sure. Yeah. So yeah, like this this was a bit of a mind bender, kind of. In a way. I feel like we say that every week. <laughs> well, actually, I think I just started saying that with the void because that one truly yeah. was. It but was. this movie kind of takes you down some different pathways over mm-hmm. the two and a half hours roughly of uh, time. Exactly. And it's pretty epic. Yeah. It is, yeah. So the whaling, yeah, it's it's very recent. Uh, translate translated from English, it's originally called Goksung, uh, directed by none other than Nan Hongji. I'm totally butchering that. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Nan Na Hongjin. I don't even know, but anyways, it's all good. Close it's enough. great. It's great, and he did a really good job with this one. We think, even though there were, it was really highly acclaimed, and overall got like almost a hundred percent approval rating from critics, and I think a ninety nine percent approval rating from audiences. Okay. Um, but even despite that, there were some mixed reviews online when I happened to glance through Definitely. after we watched the film. Mm-hmm. It's always interesting to see. But I honestly think this was a bit of a masterpiece. And you're right, though, Andrew. Like, it takes you down some unusual avenues. Mm -hmm. And you don't even know. Because it's like a mixed... It's a blended genre film. Like, you get um, black comedy. You get, (laughs) obviously, suspense, thriller, slash horror. um, Obviously, violence is a major theme. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. And I really, really enjoyed the opening sequence. It was one of my... One of my, like top opening sequences i've seen thus far this year okay i thought it was really effective you get um that opening quote immediately which is actually a verse from the bible from the book of luke and basically he quotes saying this isn't here why are you troubled jesus asked and why do doubts arise in your hearts look at my hands and my feet it is i myself touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see i have end quote. Right. So that is um, essentially from right after Jesus was resurrected. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he went back to his most, uh, his, yeah, his closest disciples and revealed himself to them. And obviously there were some doubts. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was really interesting that you get that. We do get subtle nuances throughout the entire movie um, revolving around this like sort of um, 
grading up against like organized religion and Catholicism. Hey? Yeah. There's some very strange kind of juxtapositions that we see throughout the film. So, mm-hmm. but just to give it a break breakdown here for the, cause we, we, we expect that you guys have watched it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but did you want me to run through, do you want to run through like Definitely. A, yeah. I yeah. had one other point too, to make just on that Go opening sequence yeah, too, sure. because you do get that quote right away. And then it sort of melts into this very, austere beautiful calming landscape it's like a seaside kind of a thing and you see a man fishing from a distance you get an up close shot of him with a a worm wriggling around his hands and you get it on the hook and then he casts the line and that is basically a metaphor for this entire movie right and so i think that that's very important that and that's why i'm kind of putting in one of my top favorites of of opening sequences of this year Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of good foreshadowing built right into that. And oh, it's just beautiful sure. cinematography. Yeah. Like the wide angle shots, getting, getting those really, those those wide panning um, views of the landscape of the water. And there's, we get that uh, in all kinds of scene transitions throughout the film, which is awesome. But, mm-hmm. okay, so like... Yeah, let's give okay, a rundown so, here. <laughs> so, run, so just quick rundown to center ourselves here. So the movie essentially follows the main character, uh, which is a guy by the name of Zhang Zhu, or Zhang Zhou. Some, yeah, something close like, enough. Yeah. Um, who is a, a police sergeant? Just you know, he's mm-hmm. very well. Is he? A, he's like middle level. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's not. He's not the lowest on the rung, but he's not like a command. You know, he's not in charge, but he's mm-hmm. a police officer, and he's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. He's he's kind of a he's definitely the black comedy aspect of this movie comes from <laughs> yeah. him. He's almost um, like the like uh, Pink Panther foil kind of thing. Almost. He's, got that he's just like of, kind of bumbling through his his job. <laughs> he he shows up late for all the crime scenes at the beginning of the <laughs> in the beginning of the movie. Like always the last. One he's always the last one and they're always just like oh you always have an excuse like first it's your mother-in-law and like now it's your whatever like he's always you were taking a nap yeah i was taking a nap um so yeah basically i i i love the beginning it starts off really drastically there's the scene of him uh getting up early and his wife's like why are you up so early and he's just mm-hmm. like someone someone's been killed and it goes straight into him you know, at the crime scene and it's just, yeah, I don't know. It was a really good way to tee him up as the main character. Mm-hmm. And he's just such a normal guy. You know what I mean? Like kind of, kind of chubby, you know, just normal dude has, oh, a, yeah. has a wife and daughter, lives with his mother-in-law, you know, very just, average. just very average guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good way to phrase him. And he has this sense about him of just this sort of, he's not very capable. <laughs> and I think that that's like a theme that they explore a lot in this movie, right? Because you get this sense of bumblingness from him, but also from all of the crime scenes that you see from the very beginning. There's several, right, throughout the movie where we get these massacre-like situations and they all come in and they're just like, they're just pouring out of cars. There's a million of them all swarming around doing nothing, essentially. And then you get something happen, like at the second crime scene when the house burns down and the woman goes nuts. Literally no one's doing anything. And you even made the comment, right? You're like, um, all of those people would be dead if this was the United States right now. <laughs> yeah, well, anywhere in North... Well, yeah, anywhere else, really. They'd be shot. Like, just in like Canada, for- too. Like, mm-hmm. for sure. Like, you got some crazy, like, diseased person atta- violently attacking you. The officers are going to shoot them or tase instead, them or something, right? Instead, a lot of what you get is just this very very comedic sequences of exactly that bumbling yeah. fools essentially like it could be a charlie chaplin movie it, kind it, of like very much so <laughs> it's yeah. so funny no guns but at the same no time it's all. like that i'm cool with that too a little bit yeah. uh, other than being attacked by you know crazy flailing <laughs> blood covered like whatever but that's interesting okay so like in those mm-hmm. first few scenes that's the first pathway we're taking down in this movie you're almost teed up to think that this is almost like a virus or an infect, like some sort of an infection totally. or 
whatever, maybe a curse or something like that. But clearly it's, Mm -hmm. I don't know, you think it's biological at the beginning. You totally do. And you get that um, almost like, not like foreshadowing, but you do at the very first crime scene when they uncover the cult den kind of thing. And it's in this like kind of ramshackle building, which was the actual scene of the crime. Uh, And then remember, there's a secondary crime scene where they actually find the body in the kitchen and stuff. But essentially, um, he looks up, he's like having a smoke, taking a break because he's just seen a bunch of really effed up stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and he looks up and you see him look at like the wooden beam of the building and there's like this weird plant, like mossy stuff growing on it. So you're, you're thinking to yourself like, okay, there is a biological element to this. And then you get that in the rashes that appear on the victims and the people that commit the crimes themselves and the the massacres. Right. So basically people are just like breaking out in these, their skins breaking out in boils and weird rashes and stuff. And they basically just lose their minds and massacre their families. It's very much like the rage in like 28 Days Later or something like that, right? Yeah, actually, that really was reminiscent. Except you get more of like the possessed angle too. Yeah. So it's not as if their bodies have disintegrated and they're dead. Right. But they're physically not themselves anymore and they've been possessed by something or yeah, a biological agent. You're kind of led to believe. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of ambiguity in this film. There's a lot of ambiguity, but they definitely Mm -hmm. made it... They at least in the very beginning, like leading you into the real like thick of it. It's believable. You know what I mean? Like they're looking at the first one. They're like talking to officers are talking to each other. Like, what do you think? Like crime of passion? Like, is that Mm. the only thing that makes sense? And they're trying to rationalize it in like not spectacular ways. Exactly. Um, Yeah. The the Occam's razor was the most mundane explanation. What can describe what's happening? Because this, like what they walk in on, it's essentially this guy that's in sort of a comatose zombie like state his eyes are basically like whited over Pretty and he's, his skin is like got this crazy weird disease looking thing. And then they make this other sort of claim that he had like this dose of mushrooms in his system, his blood. And that's why he did all this stuff. Hmm. And then, and then right away after that, there's the counter explanation. And that's when we get introduced to the Japanese man, right? the foreign man as this other sort of like, fairy tale sort of folkloric um rumors around the village that this this foreigner this stranger that's recently moved here is somehow responsible for all of this right Mm -hmm. because because i guess there'd been multiple stories about him right like and the guys like so what was it again he says like there was rumors about him being like a rapist Yes, right? there was the rumor that he had raped um, the woman who went insane at the second crime scene and right, her house burned right. down and then she hung herself. So there's that narrative. There's also one that his friend, the cop sergeant, like Jongju, his his friend that's not a cop, right. tells him like, um, or no, 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 it is his friend that's a cop, sorry. Because there's two people, right, that are his kind of go-tos. There's the guy that's the cop that's like on his similar rank as him. Yep. And then there's his friend. That he talks to that is like, I don't even know if he's a restaurant owner or what he does. It's like an herbal herbalist shop. An herbalist shop. Yeah, yeah. that yeah, that definitely looked like that. Yeah. But he, so you get little tidbits from both of these characters. And I think it was the cop in the first scene that relates the story of some guy. I, I don't remember the exact details of the story, but something to do with how he came into contact with him and basically went insane. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the person that came into contact with the other guy, like the second guy after went insane too. And yeah. it's just kind of like a domino effect of people experiencing this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the funniest thing about it too, which is kind of a black comedy aspect is that he's never really asked like Zhang Zhu and his partner that are start poking around after they're at these first two scenes. Like they're not asked to do this. 
their, their, their task is not to investigate this. They're literally like meant to like guard the house that's burnt down and just like, they're Mm -hmm. just, they're just basically like beat cops. But then they end up taking kind of out of character, almost like how he's presented, like takes some curiosity like into his own hands you know what I mean totally I think as soon as he starts to realize that this is a lot closer to home for him and it's a lot more like relevant to his life right like especially once his friend starts saying that he's got these nightmares and then he starts experiencing nightmares too and then you get that really weird sort of ethereal scene where it starts off with him allegedly like guarding the house it looks like it's you know it's a daytime scene and that's when we're introduced to the girl ghost, which is uh, Mu Myung, I believe her name is. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she starts throwing rocks at him while he's just sitting there, right? And then that's when... We, okay, so that's like a, a legitimate scene, or is presented as that at first. Not a dream sequence at all. Yeah. But then what you get is this weird... Like he he almost just gives up all authority, right? Because she um, dismisses the fact that there's police tape, enters the crime scene, and she just follows her. He doesn't even really like, like you know, he he does say one thing, but he doesn't really He's stop like, her. Hey, don't you know. go in there. <laughs> yeah, hey. like, like with such authority, right? Yeah. Like he's definitely lacking in that the entire movie. But then you get that awesome like transition where he gets a phone call from his partner. And basically, they exchange whatever words, and he says he's got a witness, which is Mu Myung. Mm-hmm. And then he turns around. She's vanished at this point. And that's when you get him go through the building to the back, and he gets his first sighting of that devilish-looking man-beast creature with red eyes that's, like, sucking on the guts of a pig or something. Yeah. Just behind the building, casually. Broad right. daylight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, was, then, I was really confused about that, too. Oh, yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. you can clarify this for me. It's like, I was... I kept <laughs> I kept going back and forth between asking myself, like, is that the, the Japanese guy? Right? It was very ambiguous, yeah. Because it looked exactly like him. It did, and, to but a it was just like this random like demon thing eating a deer, which which other people had seen before, right? Yes. Um, and then, but you get allusions to that later on, right? When the friend, the non-cop friend, leads the two cops to the hill, they go up the hill, they see the carcasses laying all over, right? Yeah. And so it's obvious that he's been practicing his whatever animal it is. feasting on live yeah. guts or whatever. I don't even know. It's, so it is the same guy. There's very it's just, dem- there's d- the demonic symbolism is very prevalent super prevalent which is weird right because you don't get any authority from the catholic church no so i mean because this okay so on that this is like kind of getting towards the midpoint of the film and it gets it gets really confusing (laughs) like it, it does get really confusing because you have this Japanese man who is rumored to be a ghost, but they're not sure if he is or isn't, Mm -hmm. what he is or what's going on there. Strange things are happening and people are going crazy. There's this other woman that he doesn't, that Zhongzhu doesn't know is a ghost or is some sort of other spectral entity Mm -hmm. at this point. And what else is going on? What what else is... uh, Well, you just get these continuing... Oh, and and then you've got this guy in the woods. Did I already say that? Yeah, there's a guy in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and nothing's really connected... Seemingly. Not really. Yeah, not at first. It's right. it's confusing. But you don't even... It isn't until the end of the movie that you realize that Mu Myung is a ghost. And that she 
is a lot less benevolent than you might have thought she was. But I kind of had my suspicions of her in that first scene where she's with uh, Zhongju and shows him, like she's the one that relates that there was a shaman present in that building doing a ritual at the request of the woman who ended up going crazy. Mm-hmm. And that she get, got the worst of it is what this Mumiong relates to him. And then Mumi, or sorry, and then Zhongjun asks her if she was present. And then that's when she replies, I saw it with my own eyes. Right. And and then that's when he gets the phone call from his yeah. partner. And he's yeah. like, I have a witness. I have a witness. And he's like, like stoked on it. Yeah. And she vanishes. And then she vanishes. And then it's not until much later in the film that we're reintroduced to her. But she does make those initial claims against the Japanese man. Paints him as a, a blood sucker. He's going right. to suck the blood out of you if you if he, if he notices you, essentially. Yeah. Which, of course, is what this thing is doing to animals in the woods. Exactly. Um, so is that a legitimate warning? Or is that her... It's definitely made to seem that way, right? Like, it's Are these, a, like, competing devilish entities? It, that's what it seems like. It seems mm-hmm. like there's two evil entities battling it out for who's going to be more badass or something. Totally. In this, in this thing. I've, um, something I noticed about that scene when she's throwing the rocks, and oh, we yeah. don't know at this point that she's a ghost ghost or whatever it is right some sort of entity metaphysical entity um that clearly she had already like there was a connection to zhongju because she's throwing the rocks right um as soon as his friend's gone is when they can actually like speak or make that connection it was almost like he had to approach her first before she could do anything and she's just this entity throwing rocks out trying to and again with the fishing right Kind oh, of with that's that same a great metaphor, extension you know I mean? of that metaphor, yeah. And, and then as soon that. as his friend's gone and he's finally like, she keeps throwing, <laughs> that's such a funny scene, uh, image too, right? Like his friend's gone, he's sitting there on his phone texting or whatever, and you just see, <laughs> and there's just rocks everywhere, everywhere around him, just been throwing hundreds of them trying to get his attention. <laughs> and then he finally gets up and as soon as he addresses her, then she can Then she approaches him. him. But she's been getting closer and closer and closer this entire time, just inching ever so closer. And it's almost as if that is actually a really key moment, right? Because like you said, yeah, she, he initiates and that's what she needs. It's almost like the invitation of the ghost into the household, you know what I mean? Like the same with the, into the house. vampire, you get yeah. that with black eyed kids. Right. You get that with a lot of things. Totally. So that's interesting. You need that invitation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he makes the connection later on that he had actually seen her before, right? At different locations prior to crimes and that like, you know, like the, you get the, um, the cloth like that she's wearing in the very end scene where mm-hmm. she grabs his hand and she's mm-hmm. all ghostly white and spectral looking. Right. And then he puts it together. He's like, no, you're responsible for all of this. Like, and he, cause she's been there all along just in different forms and just watching over. Yeah. So that's another thing too, because we get this theme of like, it's terrible thing for the, for you to see the devil. It's even worse for the devil to see you. Right. As soon as he takes notice and as soon as he starts taking pictures like mm. that's another element to this movie right. that's kind of effed up and unique right to a certain extent Definitely. i love the end scene where we get that um in two forms the photographs but we'll get to that in a second yeah um so okay so um so let's come back to the part where zhong Zhu and, and his partner i'm forgetting the name and his partner's yeah. nephew who is a deacon in training to be a priest right so this is this other little dash of catholicism that they chuck in there but it's completely useless yeah he's um, so young hey naive and, yeah. yeah and they go to the what they call like the japanese man's house like mm-hmm. out in the out in the valley it's out in the woods right and this is where we get this first look at the photographs so the, the, the friend cop basically like whatever busts down kind of a secret door type thing and there's like this ritual. There's like a goat skull. It's clearly like a it's clearly like a dem- like for demonic 
ritual sacrifice. There's like crows hanging from the ceiling and stuff like that. Candles lit all over. And there's pictures, photos from all the crime scenes. Oh, and then objects from the objects. Mm -hmm. So that's, I mean. What do you make of the reaction of the cop, like the partner cop, when he sees that? And there's a super extended scene of him literally just staring at everything. I mean, and we're just, yeah, totally. Like, and you and I are looking at each other being like, um, like you'd think you'd be like, grab a couple things. And that's the other thing too about this. It's like, these guys are cops, but it's like, they don't act like cops at all. You know what I mean? And it's like, the guy shows up again. They still don't know if he's a ghost or not. And instead of arresting him, they're kind of just like, all like freaked out because like they had broken into his house. It's like, guys, like you're police officers. Yeah. Have some authority here. Like... Take charge. Yeah. Like, do whatever you got to do. You Where's know your gats? Mean? And the other weird thing about that, how he had this extended scene where he's just staring away, is the fact that right behind him, there's a rabid dog that's attacking his his cousin and his partner. <laughs> and yeah. he's just, like, in such shock. And then after, right, that's when he is sucked in, I think, his partner, right? Because he is almost in a trance when they leave. Right. And they have this weird moment, super awkward, with the Japanese man when he shows up. And, and the Japanese man basically just stares them down. There's, like, no communication. And they're just, like, hanging their heads as if they're, like, little boys that are, like, Almost. ashamed of what they've done. Almost. When what they should be doing is demanding an explanation. Right. And then you don't get that until <clears throat> the second visit from right. Jung Jun. And yeah. he goes there without his partner. Or is that yeah. the third visit? He goes there a few times. I think he goes back a third time. Actually, no. Uh, that was the second visit. Because that's when he destroys the shrine kills the dog and then that's when he really upsets the japanese man right yeah yeah who we're starting to slowly figure out is not a man obviously right um very something somewhere in between and this is the coolest thing about um like japanese ghosts clearly like korean clearly this crosses over into south korean folklore as well Mm -hmm. is this idea of ghosts being much more physical than north than us our belief of them in north america you know what i mean like they are very much flesh and blood um what, what's the what's the word? Is it Yukai? Is that the name? Astonishing Legends covered a, a Japanese ghosts recently. Oh, I can't remember what. Yeah, I think exactly. that's what it's called. And and mm-hmm. they talked about that, like how yeah, it's very much they're spectral, but they're also very they can be very literal. Very like literal, right very physical. Mm-hmm. We saw quite a few examples of that in uh, cinema, at least during our Japanese studies course, hey, yeah. that film course. Yeah, definitely. That was super interesting. And that was a little bit more um, of a traditional take on Japanese film. Like those films came from like the 70s, 80s, yeah. 50s. You have to even. imagine that all those films influenced this South Korean film industry though, for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. This is like a new age version of yeah. that is kind of what I feel. Definitely. Because you get that where it's a very physical ghost um, that operates in the material world, has material desires too, seemingly, yeah. and um, and also material necessities, right? And sustenance, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you get, obviously, you see his meal when they walk into his his hut you see the meal there's like chicken feet and in a bowl with some sauce and like broth or something like that so clearly he's he is of a physical nature a material form but i think that's where we get another sort of crossover between the quote at the beginning right because there's this idea that perhaps this guy is indeed a reincarnation of sorts or some sort of resurrection but not of the good kind. No, of some sort of, some evil. <laughs> exactly. And there is definitely no Jesus present in this realm. That's for sure. No. It's, it's the, it clearly the exact opposite. 
And so I thought that was interesting. It's almost as if, because at the very end scene, when he tempts the priest or deacon in training to come over and touch him, he's, he's doing the exact same thing that Jesus was doing to his disciples, right? Yeah, like, yeah. reach over Sense and touch me. I'm a flesh thing. and bone. Yeah. Spirits don't have, like, splash and bone. Ghosts don't have right. that. So I thought that was an interesting point. And I'm just sitting there like, slice his head off, dude. Like, you brought the sickle with you. Like, you're so useless. <sighs> yeah. Um, anyway. He even but, got a rosary, too. Oh, like, he's just so... Hopeless. Just mm-hmm. hopeless. Which very, is, very which hopeless. Is, anyway, pun intended, I guess. Hope. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so, but this is where, so, like, after that second visit where he kills the dog and all that kind of stuff, things start to go real bad because mm-hmm. his daughter has already started to be affected by this and the rash is showing up on her. And, and her personality changes Her personality totally instantly. changes. Mm-hmm. She's, I think they notice at first because she starts eating fish and the she fish. hates fish. Right after the morning... Or uh, sorry, the night where she had those nightmares where she relates to her dad, Jung Jun. Right. That she is having this man knock on the door repeatedly. And you don't even really know if you act, if she physically means a door or if it's the door of her mind. Right. Right? That's kind of what I thought. Because, like, it's coming to her in her dreams. Or if he's physically there or if it's some sort of, like, to reference uh, Sabrina from <laughs> on Netflix, like, spectral projection. You know what I mean? Like astral he's, projection. Astral projection. Yeah. yeah. Or some, some sort of weird whatever. Because he gets he's photographs head, of her. Not, exactly. In he's the not there snapping pictures, though. Seemingly. Yeah, Zhang Zhu did see him at that second crime scene just kind of standing in the background there with his little fishing hat on. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Not very Yeah, nice. totally. So that's messed up, hey? So the next morning... Um, yeah, so she wakes up and she's completely different. Yeah. And then the the grandmother makes the comment that she's going to call a shaman. Right. Get a shaman over here. Yes. Anyway. Not and a priest. No. A shaman. A shaman. Exactly. So that's interesting. Which is interesting because we already had the reference to the shaman from the second crime scene with the burned down house. Yes. So. The foreshadowing there, perhaps. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's interesting. So they give us the, the line from the Bible at the beginning, yet it's really just the words that matter, not the fact that it's from the Bible. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Then we get, there's multiple religions being incorporated here because shamanism is, a, is essentially a religion. It exists in different forms around the world and is practiced slightly different ways. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we get the shaman that comes in and they pay him, what, 10 grand or something to try to... To do the death hex. The death mm-hmm. hex. Yeah. I found it to be so... Like, hey, I, I uh, took some Siberian studies courses in university and stuff like that and heavily focused on like indigenous folklore and shamanism and stuff like that. And this, the way he was like dancing around and like the music and the costume and stuff like that was like so similar to like the Yakugirs or like uh, like Siberian people's shamans which I found mm. really interesting I guess even Celtic some, forms of shamanism absolutely yeah like well I found it I found it to be like not not that I've seen South Korean shamanism but it was almost like it seemed out of place culturally right. or something mm-hmm. but it's like what do I know but maybe it's not like it, that's just it maybe there are a lot more similarities to these types of ritual practices and and the sort of sorcery and things and not to say that it's universal by any means because it's definitely I suppose black And the different implications behind it all are probably different. But actually, we kind of got that a little bit mixed up here. Okay. So it didn't actually happen that he goes and destroys um, the shrine and the dog of the Japanese man. And that's when the daughter starts acting crazy. She actually starts acting crazy before that. Before that, that. then he goes because he's mad. Exactly, right. So he knows there's some kind of witchcraft going on. And he knows that he needs to go back to the house of the Japanese man. So then that's when he goes and that's when they find the shrine with the million photos and exactly that. So then, so then that's when 
before he goes to destroy the shrine, he actually finds that book that's super disturbing, all the drawings that his daughter's been doing. And he knows that she, he sees the, um, the, the rash appearing on her like groin area, right. her upper leg there. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when she wakes up and begins swearing and yelling hysterically at him mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. says she threatens at that moment that she's going to kill them all. Yeah. So that to me is the point where you're like, um, okay. So then that's when he goes back to the shrine, interrogates the Japanese man and destroys his thing. And then the next day is where we get the goat hanging outside. Yeah. I, I was like, I was kind of confused, but I was like, wait a second, <laughs> let's review that. Because, like, the goat outside the gate, it, that's a huge sign there, right? Like, that's huh. like a black Philip all Yeah, over that again. ain't no pinata. That's no. not a good sign. And then he um, wake, awakens, like, paralyzed. Remember, yeah. he can't even move. He can't walk. All of his right. hands and legs are all, like, gnarled up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and, and it, okay, and again, we're further along here, but we further still along. don't know what this guy is. And we still don't know at this point if this girl, what the spectral, what this girl is. Totally. But so it's like, so the question is, it's like, are we dealing with a, uh, a human being practicing witchcraft? And then there's a ghost, a ghost on the side. Mm-hmm. Is it like, is it, is there essentially voodoo and witchcraft can be, can, can be considered to be similar depending on what you're looking at. But is there like, cause of the aspect of the mushrooms and people going insane and having mm. physical rashes and stuff like that sounds like a tonic, like a voodoo. It kind of does. Right? Or is so, that is that some sort of hex too? Well, it, same idea, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hexing and voodoo. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Or is it like that this guy is like, yeah, a, a devil, a demon. The Japanese man? That's exactly it. And I don't think we get the answer until like the very last scene. Right. But it's so interesting because we do, like before all of that happens... There's a lot to this movie, right? Like, there's a lot of, like, ebbs and flows in the pace, which is nice. Um, it's not really... It doesn't conform to Western expectations of, like, the plot arc, I don't think, as much. But there's a lot of really, like, high action moments and then a lot of, like, descending action moments, right? Of, like, calm and then it ramps back up again. Yeah. And that's when we kind of... We get this, right? So we get a lot of action with the scene where he destroys and has this moment, right? It's like... It is a moment of catharsis for him when he wrecks the dog, like, just butchers it, which is really sad. I, I didn't really like that scene. And then, dog and then the dog... Well, the dog's just a dog, but man. But it's, it's like... that. That is obviously... Is it like, a hellhound? Clearly, I don't think so. Yes, absolutely. I don't think so. It's, I think he was it's just... Guarding the, it's literally... It was meant to be a hellhound. That's <laughs> why they... I, I'm a sucker for those types of dogs, though. <laughs> well, I, love I am, them. too. But anyway, so, yeah, we get that moment. And then we get the shaman that performs a ritual afterwards. And it's, it's very... It's not super violent, but it seems to be pretty effective on the girl, right, where they're outside. He's got the swords clashing. It's not the big one where he does, like, the death hex yet. Right. But he's trying to just eliminate the spirit from her. I don't think it... And well, that's, that's just that's in response to her stabbing the babysitter, right? Because they yeah. leave her alone for a couple hours while he's getting his acupuncture so he can walk again. <sighs> and then they come home to this like massacre scene yeah. where she's she doesn't kill the babysitter. I don't think she's dead, but she's like bleeding out on the floor or whatever. Exactly. So then we get this whole death hex ceremony planned. And then the shaman makes this reference to going fishing. And he says to Zhongju, and he says, you never know what you might catch. Because that's like kind of Zhongju's like asking him, why? Why us? Like, why my daughter? She hasn't committed any sin. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out it's his sin that apparently she's paying for. I don't even know. Well, that's really. just what's told to him later on. Exactly. But... And that's just one sort of religious lens to understand that. Right. Like, I don't even, I don't, <laughs> I don't think he was singled out for any sin in particular. No, like, no. That's just what was told to him. Because yeah. they were like, oh, you sinned for, like, disturbing another or accusing another. Mm-hmm. And it's like, 
that was, again, this is before we know what this, what the Japanese man is, but it's like, and then I was saying to you, I was like, how was that sin? Like he showed up and was like demanding answers. And the guy just stared at him and he's got a freaking room full of weird ritual, demonic stuff and pictures of yeah. the crime scenes and items of dead people. Clearly this guy is not okay. Yeah. And that's a perfectly rational thing to think. That's not a sin, <laughs> right? Like how, no. how is that? Like that's that guy's fault. Even if he, he's not a <laughs> demonic entity, right? Yeah, He's just like totally a mute. True. Write it down, bro. I Say don't know. Something. And so he leaves with no answers and we get all this stuff going on. And then at one point, I'm not sure if this is before or after the death, death hex scene, when they go back to the village, or sorry, they go back to his house again and his friend gets electrocuted by lightning. No, no, no. Okay. So I, I, I don't really, I wouldn't call that person a friend necessarily. That was a... Person from the village that had also that was a that was the hunter that had seen the 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 naked guy in a diaper eating a deer in the middle mm. of the woods, right? Right. And so okay. they go to talk to him, and they, he leads them back to this spot. This was before Zhang Zhu had his experience with seeing it. Oh, that's true. That's the very right? first time. Yeah. So they go out into the woods. They see all these d- carcasses everywhere, and they're like, "Oh wow, you're clearly not making this shit up." And then black comedy strikes pun intended again yeah. because uh literally they're like we shouldn't be here and then it's like like the classic like oh, immediately gosh. the thunder lightning starts and then yeah. the guy gets struck by lightning they use that a lot in this film yeah, for comedic do. purposes yeah, okay? yeah 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 it's kind of heightened that dramatic moment mm-hmm. I, yeah that was a very <laughs> and then they get the scene in the hospital where he's like oh what's the point of drinking so many tonics yeah. if it's lightning that kills you? And you can't help but laugh, right? You're like, what are the odds? What and it's are like, the yeah, odds? no kidding. What are the odds? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, can we skip forward a little bit to that scene where after the death hex and the Japanese man has been weakened to the point where he's almost killed, but not because stupid Jong Jin, like, or Jong Ju, sorry, um, stops the ceremony when he shouldn't have. I don't, I don't think he should have. I think he should have completed it personally. I guess. I mean, yeah, I agree. I mm-hmm. suppose. Yeah. And could, Okay. So you get that. And then essentially the old Japanese man wakes up the next morning and is like in dire straits, right? Like he's not doing good. Like he obviously had some crazy like fever going on. Like he's underneath a bunch of furs, like shivering. He looks yeah. like he's dead. And then he, he kind of goes off into the woods and he tries, I don't even know what he's trying to do, but then he sees the woman, right? The girl ghost, uh, Mumion, and then chases her for a little distance. And then you get the arrival of the cops on his premises again while he's gone. Yeah. And then that's when a chase scene ensues between all of them. Cause they're just like, screw this man. We're going to kill you motherfucker. And like, and you like, you know, cause they're basically testing the theory. If, if he's a ghost, they won't be able to kill him. Right. If he is a man, then they will be able to. So they bring... So this is after Jean Drew has snapped, right? He gathers up all exactly. his bodies. Exactly. Because his by now his daughter's in dire straits. She's in the hospital. She's dying. And uh, and so they bring a bunch of... They bring a watering can. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah. They're, they're chucking all their supplies in the back of the truck. And, like, the guys, yeah, there's, like, a watering can, a rake. Like, a regular leaf rake. Like, not even, like, a hardcore rake. Like, Just what are you going to do? Clean his yard? I um, know, right? Um, <laughs> Oh my pretty gosh. funny and then I, you get that hilarious scene right with the zombie like um uh, i don't even know who they are these are <laughs> the, that, that's just it this is the aspect there's like a million angles of a cult in this movie mm-hmm. yeah they, there's like they run into that figure who's like this possessed zombie thing that the japanese man had clearly been using um for part of his 
counter hex basically I guess. because the, the the scene before that the shaman's going crazy doing his ritual mm-hmm. Zhang Zhu's daughter is like freaking out being like please stop please stop mm-hmm. he's like you just said he stops it prematurely yeah and the entire time th- there's this back and forth competition at a distance between these black magics basically mm, right so we've got the shaman nailing these big iron stakes, stakes into yeah. very voodoo-esque Right? Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's like the, that's like the, the bodily representation the, there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And hammering the stakes into it and he's being affected blood by it. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and you can't see the blood on him. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, then they don't finish it off. <clears throat> so annoying. Frustrating. So annoying. And so basically he had his own thing going on where he's got, he's sacrificing crows and he's got a picture of the daughter that he's doing some crazy like yeah. hex on or something. But then it goes, like, terribly wrong for him. And then, okay, so you get this scene, another bumbling fool scene with all of the, the group of cops plus extras oh, man. that just can't handle one one freaking zombie dude that's unarmed. <laughs> Pretty pathetic. It's so sad. It's, <laughs> but really out. funny, though. But then the only thing that stops him is his own death. <laughs> he ends up just croaking him. And, I, and I've already, like, figured out that the reason the movie's called The Wailing is because everyone is literally wailing the entire movie. It's just, yeah. oh! everyone's literally like especially the main character like he is constantly just like screaming the entire movie oh for sure i think it actually translated more so as the sea oh what was it it wasn't quite the wailing but that's my that's like my just funny interpretation oh totally but But you're right It, it essentially was that like that no one can take him on as soon as someone starts to fight this zombie thing the others step in and be like, oh, no, 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 he's he's not himself. He's, oh, he's, he's sick. Yeah. And then they start attacking the guy that's defending him. Yeah. And then it's just this whole hilarious, like, domino Man, thing. Man, I want to be a zombie stuck. in South Korea, not in, like, Atlanta and The Walking <laughs> yeah. Dead. Jeez, Your head just, like, sniped off. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, though. <laughs> Actually, they're then, really nice down there, I guess. They really are. You don't see a single gun the entire movie. No, it's kind of refreshing. It is, I guess. It adds not a, that, but I would have wanted. It adds a layer of <laughs> surrealism, I think, because I don't know if that's really the case in South Korea. Yeah, I think they have guns. Well, definitely <laughs> less than, than North Korea? us. No. <laughs> North Koreans don't have any guns. I know, just right? the They're army. Just... <laughs> that just reminded me of a Murray quote to be like, what about the gun? Yeah, but the New Zealand army's got that. Just just just, <laughs> just the, the one, one gun. gun. <laughs> <Just> the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh my god. Right. Okay, but getting back to this whole scene where they pursue him through the woods, and he He's very fast for being so frail and old, which is kind of funny. He seems to outrun all of them. And they're all just the entire time. Again, it's like a Charlie Chaplin film, right? Where they're all tumbling over themselves through the hills of the woods. Terrain, and yeah. Exactly. Sliding and it's so funny. The they're bank. all exactly they're all dirty and everything. Yeah. And they get to this big cliff face and he's gone. Like they're and they're like, God damn it. But essentially what he's done is he's just hanging from the cliff. And then he drops down and you get this really weird moment and you see a very vulnerable side of the japanese man and he starts weeping yeah yeah what did you make that i at that point i was kind of questioning whether or not he this was a real man possessed um because why would a demon be crying or why would a demon be why would anything that's like not a a man be injured in a in, in a human form that's a really, yeah. Well, that's a good question, too. And, like, what if he is a man, the sp- a spirit of a man that has been then possessed by a devil of sorts? So he is just a kind of, he is a puppet himself, kind of just doing the bidding? Right. Hmm. hmm. I yeah, like I that. that. That definitely was a weird 
scene, though, right? And then, of course, he looks over, sees the ghost. Boom. Ghost girl. Ghost girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chases her. These guys, the, of course, the whole crew up above on the cliff is all disappointed that they didn't catch him. <laughs> John June, when he starts crying, oh, he's yeah. like, oh, I have to catch him. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, that was That's a, hilarious. Yeah, it was a little bit uh, overkill, perhaps. <laughs> and so then they're driving pathetic. home, and, the, like, all of a sudden, just the body of the Japanese man smashes into the windshield of the car. Exactly. And it's all the doing of the girl ghost. Right. And they're just thinking to themselves, like, that's weird. And that's but, a convenient ending to our problems. convenient ending. Mm-hmm. And they think he's dead. Yeah. Right? They they're toss him off. over. They're looking both ways, being like, yep, we're not <laughs> calling the police. I am the police, technically, even though you don't act like it. And, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. And yeah, they, they kind of launch him down a bank. Um, yeah. So then you think everything's a-okay. Everything's back to being kosher. And he goes to the hospital. He he opens the door. His face is all bloody as hell. And then he sees his daughter and repeatedly asks her, like, are you okay now? Are Are you you okay? Are you? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You're made to think that that's the end. Yep. Of the movie, right? You're I thinking definitely. credits are coming. They do that that uh, that pan back where it's like that slow fade out of the, the hospital door as the mm-hmm. family's all like hugging each other. That's like the quintessential end to a movie. It is. You know what I mean? And it then, is. nope, there's still 40 minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> of crazy shit. Of craziness, yeah. yeah. So where do we go from here? It's like... <clears throat> I feel like honestly we should... Tr- I mean, we're, com- we're coming in towards the ending, but I just... I'm most interested in your take on the the reintroduction of the shaman after this point he thinks everything's cool then all of a sudden a few days later basically yeah he oh my gosh he kind of comes to the realization that he's made a terrible mistake and he read the divination like the prophecy wrong right and he says essentially the one that he cast the death hex on wasn't the proper ghost. It was actually another shaman that was trying to get rid of the actual evil ghost. So then you get this other sort of conflation, right, of spirits, where it's like, okay, so wait a second, actually the Japanese man is a man. So now we're on his side, and we're thinking like, okay, man, like, let's make a recovery here. Let's, uh, you know what I mean? And then, and then you're completely on, like, on guard when you see the girl ghost again, because she essentially comes out of the gate of Jonju's house when the shaman arrives and casts some sort of crazy spell on him to make him vomit blood. That's like my favorite. That's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. So So like, yeah, that, that, that to me is the most hardcore scene, like super cool. Um, and just the idea of like, yeah, like. Oh, being able yeah to, obviously bodily fluids there's a lot of demonic stuff has to do with that too but just like ghosts so yeah he walks he crosses the threshold there's yeah. always a threshold totally right he crosses literally through the arch the portal like literally by definition oh well, he does and that's why it happens he's like yeah. one step over and then she walks out of the shadows and is like what do you do well, at first he's just like drip drip right. couple, couple drops of blood he's like what the heck yeah. takes a few more steps and then starts gushing blood out of his nose and then he, and then he kind of falls back into yeah. the street and then starts vomiting like basically mm-hmm. just like foam and like white oh, so i think weird. that's kind of when you get to see her true nature uh-huh. even though by the end of it i'm still confused <laughs> by the end of it you don't know if she was if they're both Competing. evil entities mm-hmm. which i'm kind of of the mind yeah that they're both com- yeah they're she's a ghost and he's a demon yeah 
And there's multiple levels of physicalness here. Actually, <laughs> like where, yeah, that's very true. You know what They're I mean? both sort of physical, though, because she ends up grabbing Jean-Ju's hand at the very end. Did, did you holds. notice what it looked like? When yeah, it was effing creepy, it's man. It's like all gnarled and yeah. like gray yeah. and like cold. Very and spectral like, looking, right? Yeah, it was not freaky. alive. Not, not alive. And so that's when he makes the realization that she has been present this entire time as well, watching. Right. So is she the devil that has sort of caught, like, she's, uh, he's caught her attention, so to speak? Yeah. Like, how did that even happen, right? We never really know. It's just this I, I feel like we need to go back and, and watch this movie again. I it's... think we definitely should, and then we can kind of continue the conversation in the forum on Facebook, and you guys can all, you guys listening can come jump in, because we're really curious what you guys have to oh, think yeah. about this. And especially, I am super curious about this very last scene, right? Okay, so we get this sort of build-up, this climax building here, where um, John Ju sees the girl ghost again, Mion, so Mu Mion, sorry, and um, has this exchange with her where she's trying to convince him that it's still the Japanese man, and she goes off with her same story as if it's a script, right? Where right. she's saying he'll suck your blood and blah blah blah. It's the exact same thing she told him before, and he says like, "Shut up, bitch!" Like I know yeah, you're yeah, lying. Yeah. <laughs> and, and <then laughs> Broken she, record. Yeah, exactly. But she's trying to keep him away from his house, and right. she and so while she keeps him there, you get the return of his daughter to to their house she ends up she is the demon at that point right ends up committing a bunch of like devastating murders and whatever else and then that's when he comes back yeah stabs the the mom and and grandma grandma. with a knife exactly Um, he enters finds the massacre and then you don't really know what happens you see her in the doorway and then he's calling out to her and, and gesturing to her to come to him yeah and then that's all you see yeah. And then there's this end scene with a shaman that really just... Bizarre. But there's two things going on too, right? Because you get the devil in the cave with, with the deacon guy. Yeah. And then you get this scene unfolding too, where there's pictures being taken on both ends. Right. So... It ends with photographs. Mm-hmm. So you've got the deacon, he's found this... That, that was confusing to me too. I didn't know where exactly he had went. He, he went... He, he, he saw had... a light in the woods. Okay. He saw a far-off, distant red light, and I don't know what he had in mind. Like, he, he wanted to go kill this he thing. Wanted he wanted to. to know what it was. He mm-hmm. grabbed a scythe yep. and his cross. His rosary. And was like, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, and presumably that's what he was going to do. So he went to this cave and uncovers the devil, essentially, where we see the true form of this guy. Yeah. And that's where we get to, get to the end of that sort of analogy with the beginning quote, right? With right. the touch my... Flesh. I and have he bones. starts have... growing these long nails, and his hands become hairy, and literally starts growing devil horns out of his head, <laughs> and starts like looking like he's not a man, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so see my true form is kind of the right. whole, yeah. But what I mean, I don't understand the the the, the whole presence of Catholicism is weird to me. It, sh- it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be weird no. because this is a movie that clearly has demonic connotations mm-hmm, to it. Mm-hmm. But it's also they focus on the shamanism as a way of bringing it out, as if it has nothing to do with heaven and hell or demons mm-hmm. and non-demons. So it's like, wh- is this thing just a monster? It, 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 like, and and yeah, and, that's and, totally and, true. And the 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 <laughs> sort of juxtaposition to Catholicism is really just to confuse us. It is, and it is to sort of highlight the idea that there is no savior present. Right. There is no one. Oh, great. To Good times, you. guys. Yeah. Mm. It's dark. <laughs> Doomed. It's dark. We need so to then... burn our hearts, Augur, and Pendulum. <laughs> Doom. <laughs> like... <laughs> uh, 
So we get this devil dude taking pictures of the deacon priest guy, and he's just standing there as if he's, like, hypnotized. Right. And that's the end of him, I guess. He never leaves the cave, I guess. I don't know. But then what I really want everyone's take on is the very last scene with the shaman where he enters the building, yeah, the, the home of Jeonju, and takes the photos. He takes a photo of each of the dead victims, leaves the girl who's sitting on the front porch, and gets in his car that's all packed up. He's got his entire shaman office in there. And he, you see this moment where he drops a box, and there's a million photos that fall out. And they're all like the Instax, like, you know, like instant ones. Yeah. And you're like, hey, wait a second. Are all of those photos the ones that we saw in the shrine in the house of the Japanese man? Because that's a lot of photos, man. That's a lot. Yeah, and and you're yeah. So you're right at the end. You're you're chucked a monkey wrench. Yeah. Was this guy in on all of this the whole time? Yeah. Which just seems super unlikely because they like sought him out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like you made the comment like, and he was attacked too. Yeah, he was. And like we were trying to rationalize it, being like, well, why? Like, what would be the connection here? And then you we were kind of joking to be like, yeah, like maybe it was like almost like. Literally like a Scooby-Doo-esque plot where it's like, you got to partner up with a devil so you can keep your business up and running. You know what I mean? Well, he did charge 10 grand. Well, yeah, I suppose that's fairly lucrative, especially if you can partner up with a devil. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I feel like that's very (laughs) Scooby-Doo-esque. Yeah, it was. I don't know. Not very sophisticated. But at the same time, you are made to to question his... Or is he simply packing up, leaving town because he knows that this town is doomed and he's going to continue his own investigation? Maybe his investigation has been a lot more extensive than we're led to believe in the very beginning. And maybe that's why he is sought out, because he is kind of the leading expert in this. Like, other than that scene, you're not really given anything else to make it seem as if he's bad. Like, he's an evil person, or he's out to... He's involved in a negative way somehow. He definitely just seems like a shaman that he does, was hired. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We really, I'm really curious about all your guys' opinion. Exactly. I kind of like how he is ambiguous like that, hey? Yeah, like, yeah. Because you're not really sure. You don't get that strict binary of good and evil, which is maybe what they're trying to explore, the ambiguity of evil in all of its different forms. Right. And how maybe there isn't always the counterpart, the good. You know right. what I mean? Well, mm. clearly. Yeah, yeah, this is just bad on bad on bad. <laughs> <laughs> evil on evil on evil. Damn. <laughs> Um, I gotta, (laughs) I gotta chalk out a couple of things here that were kind of my, I just noticed them and they were really funny and interesting and awesome. Um, some of the black comedy, uh, points, Mm -hmm. I already mentioned one where they're like in the woods and as soon as they mention like, we shouldn't be here and instantly the thunder and lightning starts. It's like just so perfect. (laughs) Right. Um, also the scene at the second a massacre when he shows up and gets attacked by the woman <laughs> and then a, f- a few minutes later he's back at the police station just kind of sitting there like this and his daughter before she's having troubles comes through comes through the door and the quote is it's just quiet for a second then the quote is just mom mom wanted me to give you clean boxer shorts and a shirt because <laughs> like, like, he clearly crapped his pants when he was getting attacked you should have a shower yeah exactly right um and then the scene when they first when him and his uh, police officer partner in the station at night and there's that naked woman <laughs> that ends up burning the house down at the door and they like just start freaking out like <laughs> flopping around flailing around like thunder and lightning this going. is a police station for god's <laughs> sakes like how, how are you guys that afraid of like somebody at the door yeah exactly oh man it's, it's so priceless. good the power goes out and that's that <laughs> yeah 
Oh, just... there were so many good moments. And again, I already mentioned the scene where they're they were chasing the Japanese man. They get to the point of the cliff where he's just disappeared, but he's right there before him, and it's so frustrating. And then mm-hmm. he has his breakdown where he's just like, <laughs> he's just a bumbling buffoon baby. Yeah, where he's just but like I love weeping. him though. You're oh, rooting so for good. him. He's so likable, and like you just like. And I don't know if you noticed this too. It wasn't so much in the second half, but he in almost every scene for the first half of the movie, he's eating. Like every scene, he'll go to him and he's, so he's eating in, something and he's eating this, eating that. It was very much like Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven where it's like every scene he's eating something. What is that? A matter of like gluttony? Is he like, you know what I mean? Like, is that perhaps his sin? Because no, then you do get a scene at the very, the very beginning-ish, right? Where he gluttony. is, where Give he's, me a he's have, it's him and his wife, right? Having sex in the yes, car? Yes, yes. Why are they having sex in the car? <laughs> well, because I don't know. There was no privacy in the house. <laughs> I, <guess>. <laughs> <laughs> I almost thought it was like a neighbor girl for the longest time oh no, like, yeah no I, I thought that for a split second too but then he, he gets him he's like i'm getting too old for this shit and it's clearly his wife <laughs> yeah. he's like you need to give me some herbal remedies like i can't keep this up <laughs> yeah. yeah that's a good one. yeah definitely some really funny lines and mm-hmm. i think what's the most uh interesting about this is it's a thriller horror movie but without anything that jumps out at you there's no, like, pop out and scream in your face, like, jump out of your seat. It's uh, just no. this very, you're, you're, you're super engaged the whole time. Yeah. You're not, like, shirt over your eyes, like, afraid no, of what's going to jump out. Exactly. No cheap thrills. No cheap thrills. The only thing that I can say was, like, really sudden is when the Japanese man hits the car, like, the windshield. But that's already a crazy scene happening already where they're spinning all over the, like, you know, yeah. the, the road. And, right. And then they, yeah, that happens. But it's not like a... Like a like yeah, monster like a jump monster. out of you moment kind of thing. Absolutely. Like we got a lot of in the ruins. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Do my bob. Mm. <laughs> so ultimately, um, what, like final thoughts and would you recommend this movie? Definitely. Yeah. I would highly recommend this movie if you have a good chunk of time to devote to it because I wouldn't want to watch it in like two chunks kind of thing. No, you got to watch it in one sitting. Exactly. Sure. And you do have to be paying attention. You do. You can't just be watching this and doing homework. No, you can't. But um, don't be don't be um, disturbed. Like put off by subtitles. It's definitely easy to follow. Yeah. Um, and just yeah, I I would as well. I would recommend it as well. Awesome movie. It's a gem of a film. Yeah. It really is. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Yeah. We're sorry it took us. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, it was just an extra week. Yeah. Not so bad. One week. Um. Yeah. So yeah, Mm -hmm. as usual, guys, hit us up. Let us know what you think. Um, you can always send us emails uh, into the portal mailbox at gmail.com or um, come hit us up on the socials. Follow us on Facebook and, and uh, Instagram at into the portal podcast on Instagram. I think it's the same on Facebook and join our yeah. group. Come join the forum and we can chat about this movie and other weird stuff. Yeah. We're going to post an official thread so you guys can uh, have a space to discuss. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Anything else? I think that's it. Cool. All yeah. right. Well, thanks again for listening, you guys. And uh, until Sunday. Mm-hmm.
was a podcast from the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com.